Thank you very much for turning up. You probably don't know who the hell we are. We are wandering into wellness. Uh, I'm one half of the Thin Murray, um, and I own a health food store in Rathmines. I'm just fascinated by all things health, and my partner and myself, Lydia Sass, is just over on the far side there, came together about six months ago with a weird little dream to share our topics that we're madly passionate about. Yeah, so we just felt like there was this huge wealth of knowledge here in Ireland, loads of practitioners, loads of experts in different fields, and that everyone who's around listening to podcasts at the moment, they're listening to podcasts and go, hey, that person's great, I'd love to go see that person, but they live in America, or they live miles away. And so we thought it would be really nice to get a collection of interviews together with people who live here in Ireland, so that people who are listening to our podcasts and found the topics interesting could actually go and see those people or benefit from their experience. So that's what we've been doing. We've got 20 podcasts live now. Spotify and YouTube. YouTube. Yeah. So you can see that there will be videos as well, and there will fill out some videos in beautiful areas around Ireland and also around Europe. So if you want to check this out, we're wandering into wellness, you can see it on the videos there. You can buy our merch, not today, not today. <laughs> oh, I didn't say that, sorry. So, uh, our other exciting thing is today we have, sometimes we have a very special guest, and today we have a very, very special guest, Jamie White. Welcome, Jamie. Thank you very much. Thank you. This is, uh, this is some experience, it's so funny speaking in this kind of setting. More normally, like, when you do a podcast, it's in a, a sound kind of clouded room where you, you can't hear anything, you can't see anything. This is brilliant. This I feel like hyper-simulated right at the minute. I don't, hopefully we can stay somewhat on track towards our topic, which is... We're talking today about biohacking. And so we're looking at different ways that you can change the physiology of your body, your mental attitude, your approach to stress, how you process that in your body. Yeah. So Jamie, basically, from what I know of Jamie White, he's a serial entrepreneur, I think it's fair to say. Um, Thank you very much. <laughs> a good serial entrepreneur as well, he's some good stuff. And uh, he's also a bit of a, 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 like a, a ridiculous self-guinea pig when it comes to um, his own health. He's done umpteen different diets and like, you know, some people apply those things and they try them for a week and then oh, five days later they're like, oh yeah, well I was kind of keto for four days there and like, you weren't really keto, were you? But Jamie is one of these people who goes to the ends of the earth, so he'll do a month or two months or six months or something, try it if it works, keep it, if it doesn't work, drop it. Uh, and so today we're really keen to find out like some of his insights, explore his background and maybe put some kind of relevance in there for you guys as well. So we would love for you as well to ask those questions. If you have anything you've done yourself, you have something to share or you want to ask us something during the chat, stick your hand up or just run up here, I don't know, say hello, whatever. And we'll, we'll try and kind of feed into what your particular needs are as well because it's only relevant if it's relevant to you. Um, so no, I, I have to say it's so funny um, to be in a position where actually what I do is, uh, is appreciated. So with all my mates, they look at me and they be like, what phase are you on now? Or what experiment are you doing? And uh, it's generally kind of a, 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 a real easy kind of criticism. So this is fantastic, thank you. Okay, rare moment. It's kind of the same with me and my mates. I'm so used to being out and people are kind of like, uh, what are you doing at the moment? I was like, well, I took like a load of zinc and glutathione and glutamine and probiotics and milk this and vitamin C so I won't be sick in the morning. They're like, oh, just shut up. Just shut up and have a pint. Yeah, you know? yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, interesting. And so actually, interesting. Supplements this morning, what did you take? Oh, Jesus. Uh, Is it long? Yeah, so um, so first things up, uh, sorry, first thing was getting up and um, it's funny, think of, people think of supplements as in like tablet bases, but I actually think probably one of the most impactful, this is gonna sound real hippie, but like one of the most impactful supplements you can do is before you get out of bed, you think of what you're grateful for. 
And I know that's cliche and I know so many people have heard that so many times, but the fact of the matter is they've heard it so many times because it really works. Yeah. So the very first supplement uh, is a bit of gratitude. And, uh, you know, and, uh, <laughs> but it's, it's, it's unbelievable actually the days you do it versus the days you don't. So the thing for me is I, I keep a diary. Um, I keep a diary every day and I'll keep a diary not like I did this and I did this, but more so I felt like this. And, um, and I kind of match it to whatever patterns I'm on or whatever habits I'm on. Because I think a lot of the time if you adopt a new habit, it's very soon that normalizes and it's very hard to appreciate what's good versus yeah. bad. But if you've diaried it down, you can reflect. So number one was a bit of gratitude this morning. Yep. Then I got out of bed. Uh, I'm a big believer in kind of le lemon, hot water and salt. Um, the first thing you do. So um, why do you do that? Hey, to, the I, to be honest, I, I, so whereas you'll actually come at it from a much, much more, I, I suppose, scientific basis. For me, I like I'm one of these people. I I, I think I saw it on my uh, my Facebook newsfeed, okay. and I was like, <laughs> that sounds interesting. Let's try this. And um, after trying it, like I always think it's interesting. A lot of these things, if you try them for a week, two weeks, three weeks, you don't really get much of an impact. But if you try it for four weeks or eight weeks, you can, and then you look at that eight four or eight week period versus before. Uh, I think it's a, you get a real wake-up effect, um, yeah. it's a real cleansing effect, and it's, a, it's almost like, I suppose, the same feeling people would say they get from, uh, from a coffee. Yeah. So, yeah, I, 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 when it comes to like, a lot of people, when they talk about biohacking, they, um, they get very scientific. Mm -hmm. But for me, it's just I, how I, I feel. It's how I feel. Yeah. And, and so I actually don't know a huge amount of the scientific background around the kind of habits that I follow or the things that I do, other than the fact that this makes me feel good, I'm going to do it. This makes me feel bad. I'm not going to do it. So it's all own experience. Lydia is kind of like that as well, right? That's your because I'm I'm the annoying nerd in the gang who wants. I'm dying to tap into the <laughs> science of Himalayan pink salt, but I think maybe I'll leave you to that. But yes, I I think that what's interesting for me is the fact that it's really easy for us to get tied into letting other people heal us or or handing over our health to other people. Mm -hmm. And what I really like is to think about the intuition around that kind of stuff and going like. How does this feel in my body? And that being just as justified as going to see someone and letting them tell you what's wrong with your body. That's not to say you shouldn't listen to what your doctor's telling you. None of the stuff that we say today is replacing what your doctor tells you. But what I do think is that we have to take a certain amount of ownership over our bodies and over our health. And when we go to see other people, we naturally advocate that responsibility because we're listening to them and we stop listening to what our bodies are telling us. And what's right for one person might be not right for other people. So I think when we get to that point of actually journeying it in the scientific way that you are doing, where you're going, does this actually feel good? Do I get actual results from this? I think that's just as valid as diving into the science. Although it might be nice to know something about the science that you can share like Oh yeah. Um, so Himalayan salt, why is it different from other salts? Uh, is it Himalayan pink salt we use it? Absolutely, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Common. But it's a much greater mineral quantity. Exactly. Well, so instead of like being predominantly sodium chloride, uh, and, and potassium, it's, it's, it's full of 86 trace minerals. So all the minerals that are trace minerals that our body really requires, and they're so important for everything. For like, so when you see, if anyone ever do, has a chance to do it, I'd encourage you to do a thing called live blood cell analysis, where somebody takes a little bit of blood from you and puts it under a microscope. And you can see instantly whether the cells are hydrated or not hydrated. If they're not hydrated, they clump together. And that makes a massive difference in terms of cellular communication. So all the time we're trying to generate energy, basically it's about things getting into and out of our cells. So that cell membrane, needs to be hydrated and needs to have space all the way around. And one of the things that, that mineral salts do, particularly Himalayan salt, is that it, al it allows to balance the osmotic pressure to allow those cells to have space around them and allow that communication into and outside cells. So it generates energy in a really significant way, hence the caffeine-like results.
Boom. There you go. Oh, gosh. <laughs> so, wait, so, sorry. I don't know if you noticed me sitting up straight there. I was like, whoa, okay, we're in serious company here. Uh, have we got any note takers? I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> okay, I'll stop. But, like, when uh, when did you start? So, you're, you're both talking about tuning into your bodies. Yeah. So, like, I'm not that tuned into my body. I'm, like, as you can hear, very cerebral. I have to really make an effort to sit and feel how, you know, how things feel. You, as a, a young man, I would imagine there is some parallels there? Like, when did you start to really tune into how your body felt as a result of things? Like, or how did you do that? Like, uh, is, is that strange so I, I, uh, I, I grew up in a boarding school. Okay. So we had four hours, uh, four hours study every, uh, every day in boarding school. And the fact of the matter is you, you, you woke up at the same time every day, you went to sleep at the same time every day. And having that kind of time, I was like, well, what am I going to do with this time? And I suppose I started using that time to go, okay, well, we ate this for lunch yesterday, and this is how I felt, and we did this today, and this is how I felt. So I suppose I kind of used the time that I had then. And I'm not going to ask you friends you did most that time. Yeah. <laughs> but unfortunately, I'm always, hmm. <laughs> no, but it, it, like, it's actually fascinating. Like, I think we're all inclined to distract ourselves a whole load with everything that's outside. But actually, there's such a fascinating uh, adventure into yourself. Yeah. And for me, what I found is as I was scrolling through my news feeds on Facebook, and I see, do this, it's amazing. And then something completely contrary that would say, do this, it's amazing. And I thought, you know what? There's so much information out there, and so much of it is in contradiction to the previous that probably the best thing to do is actually just to start trialing, start experimenting, start seeing what uniquely works for me. Um, and I think that's something that so many people actually should do. Rather than delegating um, onto somebody else, actually kind of look into themselves. I think, it, as I said, it's a fascinating adventure, and I think it's a very strengthening adventure. You know, when you uniquely find what works for you, and if you structure or build that out, you almost build this, in effect, this biohack that is unique to yourself, uniquely complementary. And I think once you start figuring out what works for you, it, it gives you this competitive edge that's, I, I, I think, really, really, really exciting. It makes sense, because one of the things I'm always telling, Lydia will say to me, like, oh, Finn, I have this and this problem, and I'll say, oh, well, use this for it. And she'll say, oh, that doesn't work for me. I'm like, damn it, but the studies say it should, you know? And so it, it's, it's so true that, you know, when you when you start to build a, a like a real awareness of how supplements work for you, like it's it, like the fifth to the 95th percentile or whatever, you're just standing outside that for a lot of things that work for other people. So your your first foray into uh, kind of like self-hacking or whatever was, was around, was it Tony Robbins, is that right? Yeah, I, I, I became fascinated with Tony Robbins. It, it actually kind of caught in a little bit before, uh, so my brother kind of passed me this Bible-like book called The Game. It's written by Neil Strauss. It's, uh, it's sort of a... Any, anybody any know game it? fans out there? Um, Zero game fans? Okay, that's grand. Okay, well, anyway, basically it's, uh, it's all around hooking up, but it's okay. on the basis of applied social psychology. And so you should be fans. It breaks it down in a really simple fashion. And anyway, a little while after uh, he gave me that book, my parents sent me off to Tony Robbins' Unleash the Power Within. And it, it's interesting when you experience something naively and then you experience something with a bit of added perspective. And I had the perspective of that book behind it. So suddenly I looked at you know, what he's pushing, what he's, how he's communicating, the manner in which he's communicating, how people connect, and it became fascinating. Um, but what followed that day was there was a living health seminar. Okay. And they, there was a lot of messaging in that that I thought was really, really interesting. So the first kind of thing was uh, work on your head. 
over and above what you eat, over and above what you drink, work on your head as a first priority because without your head, you're gone. Um, and then following that, they talked about what you drink, uh, drinking obviously enough water, drinking good quality water, not drinking other substances. They talked about coffee really negatively, which I think is interesting. That's very open to interpretation. But there was a huge amount in that. and. I found it fascinating. Uh, as I said, some of it kind of contradicted some of the things I really enjoyed. So I said, right, let's dive in. Let's see what works, what doesn't from there. Okay. So did you drop coffee and have a technical coffee since? Oh, no. I, I, uh, no, no, no. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> no, I actually, I never really took to coffee. Um, okay. But more recently, I love bullet coffees. I think they're oh, fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. And I'm really, really interested in coffee with CBD oil. Yeah. Um, it's just you get this kind of very calm yeah. high off the back of it. Has anyone here tried CBD oil? <laughs> yes? Cool. Will you take it regularly? Oh, oh there we go. Somebody, you have, well, maybe you haven't, but you look like you might. Uh, you have done it. You should. Give us your experience. We'll repeat it for other people later. No, I didn't notice any, like, at all. You mentioned the what, sorry? Okay, yeah, so that, that's a weird thing. One of the things with, with um, CBD oil, because it comes from the hemp plant, it's accessing, so we, it's kind of like a secondary nervous system that we have, this endocannabinoid system, which is like, let's say our central nervous system, which is where all the nerve impulses and muscle kind of like contractions and all that sort of stuff come from. Um, this secondary thing is this endocannabinoid system, and what it uh, essentially is, is like, if you imagine the central nervous system is like a superhighway, like a motorway, the endocannabinoid system is kind of like the dirt track that runs alongside it. It still interacts with every cell, and it has this same systemic effect in terms of calming our nervous system, modulating inflammation, supporting our immune system, but it's not as predictable in terms of its response. And it tends to go where it's needed first. So this man was saying that it didn't have any effect on calming him, but it helped with an injury. It's a really interesting thing. So you were using it predominantly to calm you though, yeah? So I am, um, because I don't, so I don't have many kind of stimulants, sti uh, sorry, stimulants. Yeah. So I don't have coffee regularly, but when I do have coffee, I get like a mad kind of jittery high. Okay. But as soon as I put CBD oil in the coffee, I don't get a jittery high. There you go, that's cool. It's fantastic, wow. really interesting. Nice. Um, you're, you're not a coffee fan, right? No. We, unfortunately, we have to find really nice decaf. I used to drink a lot of coffee when I was doing dance. Yeah. I was one of those kind of people that like to really study and have to study long hours. Um, and I drink loads of coffee, and then one day I think my brother just went, no, <laughs> you may not have coffee anymore. And so now that I drink it, it just gives me ferocious headache. Yeah. Like, really bad. For some people, it just doesn't work, and there's no, like, don't be any amount of CBD oil in your coffee is going <laughs> to control your response. You also had an unusual experience with CBD oil chocolates, right? Oh, that was weird. Yeah. So that didn't harm us at all. No, it didn't harm us. So we got, uh, yeah, oh, bizarre. We're bringing this up. Okay. Um, <laughs> So uh, I was in London in April and I was in a little cafe and they had these little CBD oil chocolate things that looked very like the sort of thing you might have found in a head shop in Amsterdam. But it was CBD oil, so I was like, it's legit. Took them back to Ireland. Lydia and myself were going for a walk up a mountain to do a podcast. To do a podcast. And we decided to take those chocolates. And so sometimes CBD has a really elevating effect, but I've never felt anything like that. Maybe I, I'm not sure if that was the, the sort of effect we were expecting that day. But we managed to shoot. We shot a podcast, we drove home. Somehow we did. Yeah. No, I was not in this thing. It, it was a bit hash brownie experience, to be honest. Wow, lucky you guys. So you're by those wind, you're by a whole lot of wind turbines. <laughs> oh, uh, it's in Rust Common somewhere. It's in Rust. Yeah, I can't remember. Yeah. Sleep on. There you yeah, go. Sleep on. Exactly. And uh, we just spent quite a long time. <laughs> We're just so walking. Wow, that's so beautiful. <laughs> oh my God.
we have to do fuck up. We've got something to do with our day. So yeah, it's not always calming. Yeah. So yeah, fair point. So anyway, that works for you. Um, coffee. Sorry, I'm just thinking like, lucky you guys. You're like, oh, this was a disaster, but come on, yeah. <laughs> well, we tried. You know, that's the important thing, isn't it? I guess, kind of lashing into it. Big time. I, I, for, I, I think it's just very interesting how so many people are, they don't try things because they're not the done thing. Um, I, or they're told, look, that's actually not good for you. But for some people, it actually can be really complimentary. That's why I do think it's so important that people make the decisions based on their own experiences mm-hmm. rather than others, because we are all uniquely different. Absolutely. Um, but if we spend all our time following what other people do, that almost pulls you away from yourself. And, and there's yeah. that great quote, no one can be a better you than you. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. in the pursuit of yourself, you should try and experiment. That's your unique superpower is just being you. Yeah. yeah it's yeah. So you have experimented with lots and lots and lots of different diets. And I'm fascinated to dig into every single one of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but like, give us an idea. Like, what, what's it, like, what ones are you on at the moment? What have you done before? Uh, so I'd be following a keto diet at the moment. Okay. I, I think it's really interesting. Is there any vegans on the crowd, in the crowd? Any vegans? No? Great. Not a vegan in sight. That's Not a rarity. Yeah, what well, is but what I, what I think is really interesting is when you cycle one diet, say over a three, four month period, and then you dramatically shift it um, and cycle a different diet. Yeah. For me, I, there's this great saying by Thomas Jefferson, if you do the same thing tomorrow that you did today, you'll get tomorrow what you got today. And so for me, every kind of month or every two months, I'll look at things for where I'm at. I'm like, okay, what am I enjoying? Let's double down on that. And what am I not? Uh, well, let's stop that. And then you follow that process for a month, two months, and take stock again. And it's really interesting those little changes can make obviously dramatic shifts down the line. So I was following a, uh, a vegan diet, uh, yeah. very strictly deep vegan diet for about three, four months. Right. And, uh, and what, was, what was so interesting, like I, I hear so much positive endorsement over a vegan diet that you know everybody should follow a vegan diet, it's fantastic. My sister is a very strong vegan advocate. And I hate what you're saying. Actually. Yeah, but uh, no, I, there's so much positive media about it that I thought, you know what, God, if I follow a vegan diet, I'll be superhuman. Let's follow a vegan diet. And the thing that I that literally week on week after following this diet found was that I became more and more nervous, very, very stress sensitive, uh, very agitated, uh, very anxious. And it, it was weird. It just didn't agree with me whatsoever. Um, and then when I switched off and I switched off onto a keto diet, um, uh, it was amazing watching my stress just sink, and uh, my anxiety sink, and my confidence grow. Uh, weird. My sleep quality grow. I actually had all these muscle aches from a vegan diet, and suddenly I didn't. Okay. Um, Have you trained for a lot? Like, was it was it muscle aches from training, or was it just generally? Uh, yeah. So I, I train every day, okay. um, and. And so, like, Did you I, I maintain that training during the vegan diet. Did you no, actually stick at it? That was no. actually interesting. So prior, I would have kept it kept it steadily, but then as soon as my uh, as I kicked into a vegan diet, my actual I, I quite strictly follow a kind of a daily regime or a daily routine, and it just went all over the place. Wow. I stopped found myself not being able to sleep, uh, waking up a bit late, um, not being uh, kind of chasing my day, which I thought was so so interesting. And then, as I said, I shifted it. And within about a week, everything kind of settles back in to the way I, I wanted it. So I think, shoot. So a keto diet is uh, it's a high fat diet. Um, it's a low protein. It's a pretty much no carb and it's literally no sugar um, diet. Now it sounds a bit odd, but um, but actually, if you think a lot of delicious things are fat. Um, so yeah. for me, it's quite an indulgent diet, uh, and I also followed a, a, a thing where you intermittent fast, which is if you eat between 12 p.m. and 8 p.m. and you don't eat outside those windows. 
the idea is to give your system a bit of a rest yeah. because like there's nothing more uh, more exhausting for your body than digesting food mm -hmm. so you could go on a sex marathon and still digesting a steak is going to be more taxing on your body so uh, <laughs> sorry that's that. an interesting choice Woo! okay fair enough but, but, but or just no, a marathon of any sort but <laughs> no it, it's, it's interesting because <laughs> sorry <laughs> but if you think about it like if you go on a marathon yeah okay uh, you will, sex, you will be yeah. physically exhausted. But if you eat a steak, you'll just sit on a couch. Yeah. Um, but the fact of the matter is, actually, it's more exhausting on the inside than it is on the outside. But you'll feel a marathon a hell of a lot more. Yeah. Um, so the, the, so that three o'clock slump that everyone talks about is, is very real because you're still your body's saying, "Listen, I have enough energy to devote to digesting. Them. I've sent all the blood flow to, to my organs, where I'm gonna, you know, masticate all this food. I'm gonna like produce all these chemicals to break it down. Like there's a lot of energy involved now that glucose required for it as well as Use up or, or itself produced as a result of it. And um, the nice thing with the keto diet is that, like, when you if you if you don't want to go through like what Jamie does is like hardcore nutritional ketosis where he's eating what like 60, 80, 100 grams of carbs a day. Like, no way less, way way less. less. Oh my god. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like for most, I would have hundreds of grams of carbohydrate in my diet per day. But what I do is I fast for 15 to 16 hours a day, and so I get into ketosis, but I don't maintain that all day long. But even that little blip of, of ketosis, I find that like uh, it, it, it stabilizes blood sugar levels in a re in a real way. It's, it's amazing. It's energy responses. Well, they say it's a very it's a very complementing diet if you're high stress, if you're working a lot. Um, it's a very very complementing diet. But the, to be honest, I think what's more interesting is the whole intermittent fasting thing. You know, there's so much talk about it at the moment, but. What it is, what it's so interesting in that it plays into that whole thought that you know digesting food is so exhausting. Taxing, yeah. But you know, so again, you start looking at well, geez, I'm eating food for energy, but is that food actually taking more energy out of me yeah. to a certain point? And then you start looking at okay, well, what foods are easily digestible and high in energy? And well, there you go for your fats. And um, and so for for me with this diet, anyway, certainly I get a lot. I find I have a lot, lot more energy. I have a lot less slumps. And like a lot of people, they're very they're they're almost unconsciously conscious of the effect food has on them in that you know they'll eat something and they'll feel warm and ha happy they'll eat another thing and they'll feel a bit kind of depressed and sensitive food has such an amazing emotional effect on people that you know people kind of they, they talk about how important it is to talk and they how important it is to you know re re really to look after your head but actually your diet has a massive 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 effect yeah. on that so uh, giving two, it's a two-way street as well. What you put in your gut affects your brain. How you think affects your gut. It's like the two are actually working. And also, I think we always forget that digestion works on both levels. Like there's touching on is fascinating for me like just actually taking a little bit of time and you'll, you'll push into a more kind of mindfulness space now or a meditation space where you, you actually give your head a bit of a, a rest and it's amazing how actually strengthening that is in the long run and then it's only once you start doing it that you realize geez, if I don't do this I really feel a negative consequence but and in doing it 
there's such a strengthening effect. So even taking 10 minutes a day to literally lie down, yeah. relax, yeah. And, and try and actually relax your head yeah. has such a massive, massive effect. Like you were saying that Tony Robbins was talking about how the first thing that you need to do is address your head, right? So the first thing in the morning, that's what you would do. What would that look like for you in terms of would you do meditation or mindfulness or just well, the, for, for me, I um, so for me, I obviously it's kind of first piece in terms of gratitude. Second piece in terms of of literally just hot water, lemon, and uh, Himalayan rock salt. It's simple. Um, third piece is actually yoga. So we do 30 minutes of yoga. It's guided. I know it, it's it's funny. I do it at home. I do it on YouTube with a girl called Yoga with Adrian, who I've half fallen in love with now. Uh, it's ridiculous, uh, but it's fantastic. It's fun. No, 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 no. But yeah, she's. Uh, but it's amazing that you can literally just open up your phone. You can do it anywhere. Um, and then after that, like YouTube, I think it's just such a fantastic resource in terms of like yoga for back pain and there's a hundred different yoga lessons that are specifically focused on back pain and then afterwards you'll do 10 minutes of mindfulness for a strong day ahead or a healthy day ahead and I just literally earphones in lie down and do a guided meditation piece that's on YouTube and I'll do try to find a different one every day but a different one suited to how I'm feeling or what's coming up and so I like I'd love to say I'm you know I'd love to be a, a master of this or at such a level but in actual fact I'm like I'm at such a surface, surface kind of consumable level, but it's what works for me. Yeah, it's, um, it's nice to see this, like YouTube, like you're saying, it's kind of, you can take an a la carte of what works for you as well. You don't have to, even when there are like, whatever, 45 minutes or 90 minutes or whatever flows online with yoga, you can dive in and do their first five minutes of a warm up and get into the sun salutations, the down dog, and then just go off and have your day. And you still like, that stuff becomes, I don't know, it becomes slightly addictive, doesn't it? But it's so accessible. So like, you know, some people would say, oh, I'd love to do yoga, but then they have to go to a yoga studio, they have to join a class. Uh, no, you can get it. Yeah, sorry, I'm a bit conscious that you're a tra trainer, but <laughs> no, 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 but like our, some people might be like, do you know meditation, how do I do that? Whereas you literally type it into YouTube and there is a guide. Now, of course, it's it's only to a level. And to develop that expertise, you need to work with somebody that is specifically skilled in this area like yourself. But, but to be able to have that accessibility is fantastic. And similarly speaking, you know, you're here sitting listening to our, our chat, but if and you were like, here, what is a keto diet? You can literally type into YouTube, what is a keto diet? And you'll have a hundred different people explain it, which is fantastic. So there's such accessibility to all this now, whereas, you know, a couple of years ago, this was quite hard to get at, um, but that's fantastic. Yeah, you have to know an expert. You have to have somebody actually on the end of the phone. Yeah. I think it's nice to see though that now people are realizing that it's not just about looking at your diet. It's not just about looking at what do we take in, but it's also about what do we put in. So, so many people that we talk to, you ask them what on our podcast and what are your wellness routines, and pretty much everyone says yoga and meditation in some format. That could be five minutes or it could be ten minutes or it could be like a serious practice. But everyone is beginning to realize that there's a link between how you move your body and how you look after your internal body. And I think we spend so much time looking at our external body and looking in there and we are either like this bit or maybe this arm doesn't work as well as this one or this leg or the brace. And we kind of talk to ourselves in these little negative standbites all the time. We don't even realize what we're doing is it's just become this natural cycle going on. And Thank you.
YouTube and how yoga classes and practitioners now. And then you can go and do a class for your older body, you can go and do a class for kidney strength, you can go and do a class for digestion and strengthening your immune system. So that you can be working on, yes, what we put into our body, yes, how do we look after our mind, but you can also look at how can we actually relate to the organs in our body and begin to listen to them. So that when you do that check-in in the day, you're going, like, how is my liver feeling today? Do I even know where my liver is in the body? How do I relate to that? Or, you know, was I drinking last night? How is my liver feeling today? And that might be fantastic for lots of people listening. Um, or, you know, how is my stomach feeling? Yeah. Because you know that you're going to have the ability to recover afterwards. Yeah. However, 
if that's your general pattern where you're going mad constantly, then those organs that are dealing with those toxins don't get that chance for that, right? But it starts to have an effect on your lifestyle, your relationships, all those things. They did they and, and you all I, I really notice the difference in terms of just like self-awareness on that in that midweek. I'm just much more disciplined in my thoughts when I'm kind of disciplined in my actions. It's kind of that inward outward thing, uh, I find. Anyway, that helps for me. Do you know what, I, I jumped in on that point, I think Lydia was talking about it earlier, that um, there's, a, there's a woman called Alison Canavan, and she has this fantastic saying, she goes, it's an inside-out world. And so, oftentimes when there's, you're feeling a bit shit on the inside, and you compensate that with something on the outside. So, you're feeling a bit crap, so you'll go shopping. Or you're feeling a bit crap, so you'll go drinking. Or whatever it might be. But the fact of the matter is, it's an inside-out world. So, how it is that you're feeling on the inside reverberates on the outside. And you might distract yourself with certain things on the outside to help impact the inside, but it actually does nothing. So if you feel a bit shit, generally the solution com comes from within. Does that make a bit of sense? That makes a lot of sense, I think. I, yeah. But I, I think it's so, so interesting when you look at, look at people like... It's a, it's a funny question when you're like, here, what, what do you think of drinking? Like, to be honest, when you're doing anything, you should be doing it to compliment yourself. And you should be doing it to, to bring out the better you. Um, when you're not, when you're doing it because there's some feckin' thing inside you, whatever it is that's eating at you, and you're maybe trying to pull yourself away from that, and that's when things are destructive. So, when anything here that, that, that I suppose has been talked about in any uh, in any kind of fashion is there all the time to compliment whatever it is that you want in yourself. But it's a really, really interesting thing, I think, to always look and go, okay, well, one second, is what they're doing uh, compensating? I just like complimenting whatever it is that they're going for, or is it compensating for something, or is it covering something up? And that opens up a really, really interesting conversa conversation, um, where like, how often have you looked at a friend and they're like, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine, and like, no, I know you're not fine. Mm. And you've seen them maybe go a bit extreme on one end or the other, and you might get distracted whatever it is that they're doing in the extreme, when in actual fact it's highlighting something else that's much, much, much deeper. Does that make sense? So it's funny, it's like, it's around that impulse kind of control. Uh, and what of, you know people used to say, like, if you're freaking out, kind of, take a breath, just take a breath. And like that, that idea has, has a bunch of different kind of breathwork techniques that are really quick ways to kind of distance yourself from the emotion, distance yourself from the knee-jerk reaction, which is like to take that, do that external thing, whether it's going drinking or going shopping or whatever, like maybe shouting at your partner or whatever it is, you know? And, and uh, do you want to maybe explain a couple of those? Because some of those are really nice, easy things for people to get into. If you don't have a meditation practice or you haven't done a lot of this before, 
this for like two minutes a day, and you can like lower your cortisol levels by about 50%. So cortisol is one of the main stress hormones you need to worry about. That chronic cortisol production robs our body of other important hormones like, I don't know if you've heard of like uh, melatonin. Melatonin is that hormone that helps us to get to sleep. Serotonin produced during the day, melatonin might. So when you're, when you're producing a lot of cortisol, your body has no nothing left to produce any melatonin. So it's an amazing thing for helping you to regulate sleep. But literally just like two minutes a day of, of that of that four, four, four box breath or whatever. And it's, it's so powerful. I've used and it's it also a really massive, uh, massively studied for immune system function. Yeah. So just doing those five minutes. So you're kind of editing in Dancing too, bang on. Yeah. Absolutely. 
It is a picnic, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But no, it's, it's, it's about that, isn't it? It's just about attention to task. And if you let yourself be absorbed into that task, you switch off those great thoughts that are just churning around and around and making yourselves on that kind of cycle. But what Finn's saying is the science behind it is once you've done those basic things, once you're able to do something like that to a mindful level, if you want to really affect change in your life, then deep meditation allows you to get into those deeper states which make changes in your brain. What I think is the interesting thing is, say for example, say you try to go rock climbing and you whip out your phone and you start trying to text at the same time. I think it has a dramatically opposite effect of if you're like if you're wondering how you can get stressed out pretty damn quickly. It's exactly that. Um, Weirdly, though, contradictory to that. There's like studies that have shown that we can learn much better when we're exercising. So if you get people on steady state bikes, you know, static bicycles, and you get them to like read information, they actually show that they learn better than people who are just sitting down in a chair reading that same information. Wow. So there's something weird about having your body doing something to distract itself. I, just, they, I don't think they understand why it's happening, but there's definitely something about like exercising and learning at the same time. Interesting. I don't, it sounds like too much to do, but I don't know. No, I, I just think it's so funny. For me, I am... Um, Okay, it's awful, but I just cannot drive without texting at the same time. It's like <gasps> weird. I get, I get. You didn't say that. We yeah. Don't that. <laughs> no, no, like there's, there's no endorsing it. I, I, it's awful, and like none of my friends will actually hop in a car with me. But like I, for some reason, dude. And then I, I, I walk out of a car afterwards, and I'm like, oh my god, driving is so stressful. It's like, of course, driving in itself <laughs> isn't stressful. But when you're trying to do two or three different things at the same time, I just think it's interesting when you overload your your system, the consequence of that. But then, and how that's so somewhat similar to, well, I'm just going to do meditation, it's our yoga or rock climbing or something like that, and how therapeutic that is, yeah. and how destructive that is on the other side. But anyway. Yeah, no, bang on. I was the same when I used to drive to the farm late at night, uh, like a two-hour drive. I used to get loads of emails, and this was before the van was brought in. And, uh, and like, I'd arrive in there at like half 11, 12, and I'm like, stressed out of my mind. And after a full day and work, kind of like trying to look up at the road and look down at my phone and remember what I was supposed to be saying. And then the van came in, and I had two months of very disciplined no texting while driving. And it was beautiful. I just two hours of not just driving and just paying attention to the road. It was very, it was very mindful driving. It was beautiful. I, but I wish it lasted longer. I was more persistent. I, I, I'm like you. I have to, I have to discipline myself more. So I, I, I push in on that. Do you think, as like creatures, we are meant to focus on one thing at a time? Are, are we multitaskers? Because I, I, I think it's an, there's an interesting gender kind of question on this. But I actually think we thrive, thrive when we focus and double down on one specific thing. And as soon as we try to multitask, certainly for me anyway overload and go hyper-stressed. I so think as that ancestrally, from what we understand, uh, men are built a little bit more focused on kind of provision of food, and, and women have more, more of a provision of care. That I'm in the middle here. Provision like, of care. Oh, really? <laughs> it's on. Ding, ding. Um, but no, for, for that's my, like, my understanding of it. I think the thing is that multitasking is actually, a, a, like it doesn't exist. It's a chimera. What, what we do is we switch between tasks. And, and start switching between really tasks. I, I think it's funny a lot of people will say, oh, I'm relaxing, I'm watching TV. And they're not just watching TV, they're also on their phones. That's not relaxing. That's yeah. definitely not, yeah. not, not relaxing. Um, it's so what you ask, we're asking people to mindfully watch Netflix, yeah? yeah. Great, yeah. yeah, why not? Just put down the phone. One actually, sorry, so I, I have my own thoughts on this, but do you, do you think people can actually relax? Like, do you think there's such thing as a relaxing DVD night? Uh, it depends what it's relative to, I suppose. I do think it's, I, I think it's important, because I think quite often if it's a DVD night, there's also somebody there with you that you're sharing the experience with, that you're kind of relating back to what's going on on the screen about, that you can then talk about the next day. So it's, it's good for social bonding, probably. But let me put in another thing, because I, I think it's an interesting thing. A lot of people would relax. Like, there are a lot of people's 
sole uh, relaxed space is watching TV. Now, of course, there's lots of other complimentary things, like you can light a couple of candles, you can sit down on the couch, you can do all that. But the actual exercise of watching a TV, I actually think, isn't, isn't actually good. I think it's, it's actually really, really distracting. But all the other complimentary things that you do around are actually very good. Okay, well, I think we know that the blue light coming from the screen is a bad thing for a start, because that's stopping you from getting into that rest and digest phase. We need yellow light in the evening in order to calm us down. So, yes, definitely, the screen is not doing good for us in that way. But I, I don't think, I mean, there's, a, there's actually there's some change around like stuff around kind of childcare stuff at the moment, isn't there? In terms of kids and, and how uh, we always thought that video games encourage or in, 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 uh, enhance ADHD qualities, and they, they think that that actually might not be so true. I think there's, there's some studies that might have contradicted that. I think it depends. Yeah, it's very much dependent on what what your child is presenting with yeah. around that, because it depends on like high stress responses and yeah. you know how close to the screen they're sitting, what's the thing that they're doing. I just think it's really interesting that a lot of people instinctively think, oh, I'm doing this and it's relaxing, when in actual fact it might not necessarily. Like for me, um, for me actually the most interesting one recently was exercise. That we, we all consciously think that exercise is de-stressing, but there's a lot of exercise that's actually really stressful. Like if you play a five-a-side with some of my mates, that's hyper-stressful. Injuries. <laughs> yeah, and it, if you go to the gym, I, I live with a personal trainer, a guy called Stefan Fusco, and if you go to the gym with him, like, my God, you that's that's stressful. But for me, uh, for a long time, I thought, no, going to the gym and doing this, that's de-stressing. When a natural fact, no, that's actually stressful. So, Stefan Fusco's uh, his his entire life is and his, and his you know his, his income is based around that you know this thing is de-stressing. What is he, is he going to be happy with you saying this out loud? How does he feel about like the de-stress? How does he take his gaps and what does he do to chill out? Well, no, like we're all like stress in some capacities is obviously really really good. Yeah. And like the work he does as a personal trainer is outstanding. But people thinking, like people being very, very stressed and going, do you know what, I'm so stressed, I should go to the gym to unwind and de-stress. And if they do a very stressful session in the gym, the only thing that they're going to do is wear themselves out or burn themselves out. Um, and so he's actually really, really conscious of this as well. It just, I don't think he appreciated that I was going to him to de-stress versus uh, re-stress. But like, you know, you, you obviously need to put your, your body under a little bit of stress if you want it to grow, if yeah. you want it to thrive. 
But if you've got a lot of other stressors going on, perhaps you don't have the capacity to allow for that. Yeah, I think, I think one, of, one, sorry, one of the reasons that people do it is because it's the only way, like when they do that high intensity activity, where they literally, their body can't think anymore. And they go to like, let's say Soul Cycle in London, where you're in a dark room with like intense music, red light, and you're just going on a bike for a solid hour, hour and a half, whatever it is, at, like a close to peak intensity. That's, it's kind of like what yoga is supposed to do to you, but without that kind of like depth of awareness. But are we talking again about comparatively relaxed? Yeah, I think we are, yeah, yeah, exactly. But I guess if that's the first way in for somebody to get into that space, then maybe they start to do yoga on two days and soul cycle on three. Or it's, it's mad if somebody is you know, living a highly stressful life and they think what they're doing is therapy, when in actual fact, no, that's still highly therapy, yeah. highly stressful, it's just comparatively a little bit less stressful to what they're doing. So what they're doing is they're one stress and another stress and another stress. When in actual fact, probably the best, very best thing they could do is sit in a dark room, lie on their back, and do some breathing exercises, yeah. which is mad to think that that would actually be the most beneficial thing they could do. I think Certainly for me, when I go to a festival with some people, they're like, we need to do this, and we need to do this, we need to do this, and we need to do this. Game plan, like, yeah. And suddenly, this, the festival becomes stressful, but the actual fact, no, you know what, I'm just going to lie down here and enjoy my buzz. Yeah. And that, for some people, I, I think that is amazing, but it's actually so hard to do. It's so hard to do, because I think, yeah, we have this idea. I think somewhere along the line in the last, I don't know, how many years, it became this thing that busy is good. And you know it, you hear your friends go, oh, I'm so, I'm so busy, I'm so busy. Just do loads of stuff and you go, wow, that's so great. And you're like, no, not great. That's actually kind of stressful. It's really nice. You just don't feel that you have the permission. When someone says, like, how are you doing? You're like, great. I've got this really good work-life balance. I'm taking three days off a week. Sleeping loads. I'm resting loads. People kind of go, oh, okay. Yeah. And they kind of look like, it's like you're, you're, out you're a non-achiever person. Whereas in actual fact, we need to look at what is the pattern of our life. So if we're in a job, say, say me, and my job is physical and teaching yoga all day long. But say the type of yoga that I was teaching was restorative yoga, and I was just doing chilled yoga all day long. What I need at the end of the day is to go do like a power class or something that's cardio that, that's not the same level of intensity as my day, and that would be really beneficial for me. But when I'm going into corporate settings teaching yoga, and those people are having to make high stress, high intensity decisions all day long, they may be staying out till nine, ten at night, they all gravitate towards the yes blow or ashtanga or power yoga or cycling or running because it's another bit of their comfort zone. They're so used to going and going and going and going that when they want to stop, they just want to go and go. And they come into class and they're like, let's do a fast flow today. And they're like, no, what we're going to be doing is like yin yoga. We're going to be moving slow. And the people don't gravitate towards that because when we take that time to move slowly, we actually begin to listen to what our bodies tell us. And our body starts going, I'm really tired right now, or I really need to breathe. And sometimes that's hard for us to hear. So I think that's where the difficulty is, is that people gravitate towards their natural their natural pattern. And what we need to do is look at what is the pattern in our life, and that's going to be different from person. If you're a slow life person, you can do a high intensity exercise. If you're a high life person, you can do a chill. It's 
sorry, what, what I'm, what, what, as you're talking, the thing that's interesting me at the moment is sometimes we're doing things because, you know, we want to do this and we want to do this. Uh, what an actual fact is that whatever we're doing is giving us a good benefit effect, beneficial effect or is it the fact that we're doing nothing whilst we do it, then that gives us a better effect. So, for example, say, if I get a massage, right? Am I getting the benefit from the massage or am I getting the benefit from closing my eyes and actually just completely conking out? And actually, which is giving me a better effect? Now, it'd be pretty hard for me to actually just lie on my back for an hour and just do nothing. But once so if you pay 70 quid to do it, <laughs> exactly. you're going to lie down. But that's permission. Yeah, yeah. But, isn't it though? But when you break it down, actually, which is actually giving you the... Like, giving you the better? Like the, the massage or actually just the zoning out for an hour? Interesting thing. I, I think re really, really interesting. I, yeah, the, giving yourself permission to do absolutely nothing is probably one of the one of the more challenging things all the time. But it's probably one of the most therapeutic things. I, if you're going like towards, sorry, going back to the very start of this when we were talking about biohacks, what's the probably what's the number one biohack? Do nothing. Give yourself permission to do absolutely nothing. Absolutely nothing. nothing. <laughs> Start with nothing okay. and go from there. <laughs> I, I think we That's a good point to finish up. Is just to kind of go back over what are like our four top takeaways for biohacking. What are the four things that people could do in their lives? I think we just got one. So we got one. Do nothing. Yeah. And I, I think that's actually fantastic. So if, I, if actually what I think I might do is just go out there and just collapse somewhere and do nothing for a little while. I think that's probably number one benefit. Then start your day with thinking about your head first, so getting your head in the right place. Well, if we complement it to doing nothing with breathing, I think that's our number two. Yeah. So doing nothing, number one. Breathing, yeah. uh, number two. I have to throw gratitude in there because I think gratitude is like, I, I think reinforcing positivity in your head is so, so important because there's all these distracting negatives. And if what you hear in a given day is negative, that's going to have a consequence. But if the very first thing you're putting into your head is just an anchoring and a positive, that's going to have good. So, how do you do your I'm getting, sorry, I'm getting really carried away here. Did you I'm have not, an angry and positive there? Uh, no, well, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Because oh, that, that's a whole different, I mean, that's a segue. You can't go there right now. Okay, no. okay. Oh. Um, so, go on, sorry, sorry. No, how do you do your gratitude? Like, I do five, five good things. So, when I'm sitting with my son, I have a four year old, we start and end our day with five good things. So, we just say five good things. It could be about ourselves, or it could be about each other, or it could be about our lives. So, we just listen to each other. We start the day like that, we end the day like that. And I find that it really helps to reframe what's happened in your day, whether your day felt like it. You might kind of have that overall day thing where maybe only one bad thing has happened to you in the day, but that's the thing that's still sticking in your head, and you have this overall feeling of this. But when you make your five good things, you realize, oh, actually, five good things happened today, and one bad thing happened. So it's back to balance. That was a good day. And you go to sleep in a state of love. Oh, actually, that feels kind of nice rather than sitting in that negativity. So that's how I do it. How, how do you do it? Hey, mine is really simple. I am. Um when I wake up, I don't get out of bed until I've thought of three things that I'm just really appreciative of. Now, to be honest, when I'm feeling negative and shit, that's really difficult. And it's amazing how your like your head just doesn't think of the thing, think of it. You have to really force yourself, and, um, and it can feel immensely superficial when you're like telling yourself positive. You're like, ah, you're like, no, just no, say it. Just write it down. It's like a muscle, isn't it? Training, training anything in and the times you most need it, the times are the most challenging. Uh, and then on the flip side of that, when I'm going to bed, I, I, like I'm, I'm knackered when I'm going to bed, but I won't let myself relax until I've thought again of three things that I'm really, really appreciative for. And I just think it's it's uh, it's a really, you know, this, we're all familiar with, you know, don't don't watch some mad, violent movie before you go to bed, because that'll affect what your head is. 
REGs. But the idea of actually anchoring your head into really, really positive thoughts before you go to sleep has to have a therapeutic benefit. And for me, I notice an, an impact. I can't quite describe it, but I notice a really strong impact from it. And the same as well in the, in the mornings. What, what, what I just find is interesting is I notice it at the end of the day, the days that I didn't do it in the morning versus the days that I did. Mm. And if you guys want to read more about that, uh, if you've got, have you heard of Bruce Lipton at all? Look at Bruce Lipton's book, The Biology of Belief, or really like go watch this thing online, it's insane because he's like a uh, cellular biologist, but he has like amazing, he was kicked out of his university because he found, he, he basically did a, a, an experiment that demonstrated that our, our cells changed in response to how we thought. Uh, and, and since his research from 20 years ago, you know, a lot of stuff has, has come along to, to kind of like to carry it with the end. It's epigenetic. It is epigenetic. Oh, there's a whole topic that we didn't get to. Oh, well. Uh, later. Very, very simple way of exampling that is the placebo effect. Yeah. Like it's hammered through the placebo effect, and everybody, you know, I think what I think is really interesting is that people don't bridge certain points. So we all know about the placebo effect, but then when you say to somebody that thoughts manifest into reality and thoughts can actually uh, make fundamental changes in your body, people go, oh no, 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 I'm not too sure, but they know this. Yeah. Um, it's. I think it's so interesting when you're having conversations with somebody and they, they know this and all they have to do is just take that point and put it on top of this and it makes sense, but they, they don't. They, they disconnect. Yeah. Exactly. Yes, it's interesting. There's like a really nice analogy about that whole epigenetic thing that like, uh, your 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 life is the whatever a gun, then the, the genes are the are the bullets going in the gun, but it's your lifestyle that pulls the trigger, uh, and it's really true. So you, like if you, if your if, if your lifestyle is one way, so you know there's oh what's what's the lady the actress who had the double mastectomy as a result of her genetic uh, she had like a, a huge actress married to Brad Pitt for a long time. There we go. So she had a double mastectomy based on this uh, genetic proclivity that she found out she had that was 50% likelihood that she would get breast cancer. She went straight away and had a double mastectomy as a result of that. And there's an awful lot of people who follow suit with those types of things, studying their genes and then going and acting directly on them. But there's an awful lot of, the, of, of contravening science that would say it's actually what we believe and how we live that changes what our, 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 how our genes express. So let's pull back to Lydia's point because you want to get your four takeaways. Yeah, and I, and I no, no, but I raced ahead with you, but actually I, I wish I kind of showed up and I came in the We're not leaving. <laughs> okay, all right, number four. You're, well, no, you're, I'd love to hear your two, three, four. Would you reinforce, would you say, number one, do nothing, number two, breathing, number three? You know what I love? I, I, I think what you're, all the things you're, you're saying are bang on. Uh, Michael Pollan, uh, do you know Michael Pollan? He wrote a book called Cooked. He's an amazing kind of foodie, anthropologist guy. And he has this great, very simple line, which is, um, eat food, mostly plants, not too much. I think that just caps it for me in terms of nutrition. Okay. Uh, if people are going to, yeah, if we get totally, you know, blustered, like, like the, the, the amount of science that's around, the amount of crap that I talk, you know, it's so easy to get, you know, totally overwhelmed with like what I should do, what I shouldn't do, whether I should keto or vegan or whatever. But if it's like eat food, mostly plants, not too much. Cool. I think that's like, you know. I think I think also um, a nice way to look at it. We've talked about this bit before. Is micro micro actions for macro change and so i think a lot of times when we want to change in our body and change in our diet and change in our life and change in our relationships we kind of go to that end point of, okay i have to do this i'm going to go on the keto diet and it's too much too soon and then we fail and when we fail we feel worse about ourselves than when we really started so i think 
taking those little baby steps, and all those little baby steps add up to make the biggest amount of change. So if you're looking at changing your life, taking that simple thing and just going like, don't eat too much, yeah. eat a lot of plants, that's kind of it. Don't do the one for one if you're drinking today. Do the one for one. Do yourselves a favor. If you can't have one glass of water for every pint, that'd be amazing. And you're looking great today. You're looking fresh as a daisy. <laughs> so much water as well. Great. I was hoping you were going to be like a shot for every pint. Let me pull us back. So, because I, 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 I'm really interested in saying, like, my four points versus your four points versus your four points. Now, I'm conscious, obviously, of time. So, like, if you do need to get pulled off, pull us off. Yeah, I don't know. Are we done? Um, do we, like, I, I, we're kind of, we're like actually 15 minutes out. Are we at five minutes? Okay. Uh, like versus my four points. Okay, so mine are all mean annoying nutritional ones. Your headspace ones are all the ones. Okay, but one second, one second, one second. Like, so you can go on the nutritional, right? But I want to hammer this point out. Like, say somebody is fundamentally broken. Yeah. Right. So somebody is all over the place. You've got to. We will. We. I don't want to say we all have a mate that is, but no. Like, I want to say if you're looking at somebody who, in every capacity, is yeah. all over the place, right? Okay. And you're saying, okay, well, here are my four strongest hacks that these will make the biggest impact on you. One, two, three, and four. Whoa, that's tough. Okay, so definitely, I think, start drinking water. Um, I don't think you can do any worse or do any better than taking two minutes of breathing a day. Um, think before you put something in your mouth. Just think for a second. You know, it, 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 it might make you make a change. It might not. Uh, four. This is tough. Like, this is really tough. There's nothing that, that works for everybody. Just um, from your experience. Uh, for me, what's yeah, what's yeah, yeah, for yeah. me? Drink a little less coffee. Okay, okay. That's, that's made a big difference. Okay. Small things. So somebody oh, here is oh, like sorry, broken. Sorry. Treat, yeah, treat food, treat herbs, not food. That's it. Anyway, there we go. Over to Lydia. Oh wow, Um, I think for me, checking in is a really important one. So taking the time every day to just check in with how your body's actually feeling on all the different levels. So not just how is my muscles feeling, how is my joints feeling. That stuff, but also like where are my emotions at today, and then where's my breathing at today, and then where are my thoughts at today. And I think if you do a little inventory of that stuff and you start your day, it gives you a really good idea of how can you make choices that serve you well as you move forward into your day. I think number two, if you were really going, okay, my life's in crisis and I, I need to make change, but I don't really know what are the best changes that will serve me, and I maybe only have the mental strength right now to make three or four, there's a thing called the wheel. I've talked about it in other podcasts, you can download, it's a little printable online, it's basically a little circle that looks like the spokes of the wheel, the spokes coming off it, it's divided into maybe six or eight sections, and one would be relationship, one would be health, one would be eating, one would be sleep, uh, one would be work, and you fill in the spokes of that wheel as to how you're feeling in this moment about those things, and then you get this little circular thing, in an ideal world it would be smoothly circular, up at ten. 10 about my health, 10 about my love life, 10 about my job. But in reality, it looks a bit more like this. And then what you do is you think about like, how bumpy is my ride right now if this wheel is a snapshot of my life? And where are the areas that I can fill out a little bit more to make this ride a little bit smoother? And then that gives you an idea of, okay, the thing for me really is stress. So if stress is your thing, breathing would be the next thing. Whereas if it was your work that was stressing you out the most, you might think about, okay, what do I need to do? Do I need to change my job? Do I need to lessen my hours? Or do I need to make an approach to my job a little bit different? So that's a really good way of checking in. And then obviously, you know, I teach yoga, so yoga has to be in there for me. Um, that's a massive one. 
Cool, that's great. Um, do you guys have any questions before we totally wrap up? Or do you want us to go? We'll, we'll probably go away. We've got goodie bags to give everyone because you all sat there so quietly and actually seemed to engage. I hope you're awake. Um, <laughs> but thank you very much for staying and listening. I really mean that. We'll be back here again at 2.30 tomorrow. Uh, Finn and Lydia, not without, without Jamie though, so thank you very much, Jamie, for this one. Pleasure. Nice one. And yeah, tomorrow we'll be talking to uh, John and Karen, who are uh, amazing shamanistic practitioners, and they actually look at the subtle energies around the side of Electric Picnic and they design where each tent is going to go once before the build ever takes place. So it'll be a really interesting talk uh, on, on like looking at kind of the, their investigation of subtle energies and the sort of work they do in prisons and all sorts of amazing things. So 2.30 back here tomorrow again. Hang on a second, I'm going to get you goodie bags. Anything more to finish? No, just uh, if anyone's interested in hearing more about what Jamie does, or you do some, you do some interesting conferences coming up. Hey. Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, plug, plug, plug. No, listen here. Don't, don't. Yeah, yeah, totally. Okay. Go. So no, do, you know, do, do you know what I actually what I won't look I uh, I always think it's so nice when people are talking freely and exactly as you said I think it's so nice when people talk uh, there's no agenda there's no sales pitch there's no nothing so I will keep it completely to myself because I, I just think it's so nice when people are here you know you can check in for a few minutes you can listen to somebody and then you can check out there's no agenda whatsoever so I will take any agenda I have completely out I just thank you so much for listening because it's uh, it's so strange when you've got loads of other things to do, like you could go up on a Ferris wheel or you could listen to some pretty good techno down there. So thanks for taking the time out for ourselves. Thank you very much. This is Jamie White, Jamie White, everyone. And if you want to listen to our podcast, it's wandering into violence. You can find us on Instagram, on YouTube, if you want to see the video recording, and you can find us on Spotify as well. So definitely.